the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. It is Saturday morning, which means live open call Saturday, where we get to hear you uh, calling in to talk to our financial and retirement guy, Larry Rosenthal, here in studio. Hey, Larry. Correct. Well, good, Chris. How are you today? Good oh, to see you. Doing good. good to talk see to you, you again. Yep. You yep. Looking you forward to it. Like you said, it's open mic Saturday. Love it. Any questions at all? If you have any questions on estate planning, taxes, whatever it may be, the stock market, right? Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. And, uh, you know, today we're going to be going over, well, all different kinds. Of, there's never a shortage of information to talk about investing and financial planning, estate planning, taxes, inflation, you name it, we've got it here. So I mm-hmm. uh, see so we already have some callers on the line. Chris, let's go ahead and uh, welcome them on. You got it. Good morning, Tony. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Great. I was just I was listening to your program, and I'm 49 years old. I've always worked for myself in the construction industry. And in uh-huh. the last several years, I've got into buy, buying more rental, like buying rental houses and, and buying houses and fixing them up and selling them. But my wife is trying to talk me into going into the market. And um, I didn't know what would be best at my age and um, with the way the financial market is today. How, what do you feel would be best for a person in my situation to do? So, Tony, the, the, you know, real estate is an asset class, and so are stocks and, and other things, too. And, and there's nothing wrong with going into the market. One of the, one of the interesting things that, 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 you're, that you're saying very loudly to me is, hey, Larry, I'm in the real estate game, and I understand the ins and outs of it, and I'm doing very well with it. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And, and so let's talk about the real estate first and then the markets real quick. The real estate, okay. you know, when, when you're flipping houses and when you're, when you're uh, getting mortgages paid off and, and rental income, that's the best type of property to have, Tony, to have a property okay. that's, that's paid for. And then you're just getting that free cash flow, of course, minus maintenance, taxes, and insurance each right. year, right? right? But if you can have a few of those paid for when you're in retirement, that's just like free pay. Pensionable income coming into 
into your household. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever there. The the risk is when you're going to get a rental property, let's suppose the value of the property is $400,000 and you owe 380 on it, and now you're forced to find a renter at peak rental income in order just to break even each month. That's a dangerous right. scenario if you end up getting leveraged with four or five of those types of properties. So I'm a fan of real estate, definitely. There's a couple of ways to own it. One is the real property, like what you're talking about, whether it's apartment buildings or or, or, or single-family homes or, or condos or townhouses and things of that nature. Look at your local markets there. And so you want to try and accelerate the payment, uh, the mortgage down to get that free cash flow towards retirement. As far as going into the market, I'm a big fan of that as well. So if you don't have money in the market, then what we need to do right. basically is do dollar-cost averaging. We need to take some money that, let's say it's in your bank account, and, and we're going to divide it up maybe into, into twelfths. So we're going to take one-twelfth of that money and put it into a balanced, diversified portfolio. Then the next month, we're going to take another twelfth and put it in. And then the next month, another twelfth. So we're just sort of going to bleed it in or ease it right into the market over time. And this is a, a, a proven method of okay. of investing it's called dollar cost averaging because each day tony the the shares of the market go up and down the price goes up and down and by 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 moving the money systematically in over a, over a period of time you're going to end up with the average price over that period of time versus trying to guess and buy you know today when it's low or high and things of that nature so if you're not right. familiar with the market then then what I would suggest is to let's get a balanced portfolio. Let's get something that's pretty conservative, something that's a little moderate, something that has a little growth uh, aspect to it, and put money into each one of those different areas uh, each each month and just slowly move it in. And then here's what I want you to do on the back end of that. Take a look at your statements each month that come in and study them and see how the price per shares move up and down and how with each month's contribution, you're getting more or sometimes less shares in that account based off the price so that you understand what the game is because the game here is the acquisition of shares. You want to be able to accumulate as much shares for yourself down the road so that you can turn it into profitable income in retirement years or whatever your goal is. Just like in real estate, if you're going to get a rental home, the goal there, usually anyway, should be to have that mortgage paid for so that you're getting that free cash flow during retirement years. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. So if you want, Tony, I'll be happy to, to put you on hold, and, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and we'll have an advisor reach out to you next week and sort of give you a breakdown of, of maybe some ETFs or stocks or mutual funds that may be appropriate for you. I'm sorry, Jeff, another that'd question? Be great. No, no, no. That'd be great. Okay. Yep. Let me go ahead and put you on hold, Tony, and appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. Let's welcome Eugene on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Eugene. How are you today? I got a question for you. I've thought about this for a couple of years. Amazon keeps getting bigger and bigger. Do you ever see a situation where Amazon would get so big and so dominant in every facet of retail? that a government agency would ever step in and say, this is not good for the economy, we're going to have to break you up or do something like that? 
At some point, that could happen if it's considered a monopoly. Yes, um, it, it, it could very well. Um, you know, Congress can do what, what they want to do, right? Uh, so at, at some point, that could happen. The the question that you're asking here, Eugene, is is um, it's it's somewhere along the lines of of this, and this this just may not sound well, and I don't mean it to to, to be this way, uh, but the reality is, way back in the day, you know, we we were a a uh, agricultural society. Then we moved into industrial revolution and now a service society. And it's at one point in our nation, there was like a grocery store on almost every corner in the neighborhood. And then as time moved on, some of those grocery stores went away and we had like a shopping center grocery store that would cover a larger square mile. People would would go to that grocery store, right? And then we had the the small um, hardware stores that were in, embedded into neighborhoods, and and bigger hardwood stores, uh, hard you know hardware stores came yeah. in, and then we had appliance stores, and then and then we had you know like the grocery store chains now and the WalMarts of the of of the of the nation and all that kind of stuff, and that's sort of what we see going on. So, the answer to your question is you know the 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 government's going to make sure that people really don't have a a um, um, monopoly on something and, and that's that's part of their job and, and as as they should definitely do it so hey appreciate the phone call you listen to making money sense larry rosenthal show give us a ring here at 855 rose one two three back in a moment with more making money sense you are listening to making money sense live with larry rosenthal Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. 
Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio, Larry. We had some callers that came in, came in at the top of the show real quick, you know. And, and again, I like to, you know, we didn't really get to to the announcements at the beginning of the sh- the show here, but but you know, this uh, we're here to try and give you what I would call financial education. You know, we we want to continue to to yes, we are a wealth management firm, but one of the things we also want to do is deliver education. That's that's there's so much noise out there versus facts, educational facts versus noise out there. And everyone's got an opinion on all different types of investment strategies and things like that. So, you know, that's one of the reasons we come on the show every week here, you know, so so feel free to give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment needs. Give us a call. So, Chris, what we're talking about today, one of the, the items that, that I want to talk about here is just sort of the cascading mountain slope slide that we've had since the 1980s. And you might ask, what might that be, Larry, right? Uh, what might well, that be, Larry? There you go. If you remember way back in the day, back in the 80s, what was the interest rate you were paying on your house? Or your car loan. A lot. A lot. That's exactly right. Matter of fact, in the decade of the 80s, the average mortgage rate was right around 16%. Oh, man. And here Can we you are. imagine that today going down to the bank and saying, hey, I want to get this new house, and you're going to charge me 16%? I'll take it. I'm happy. Right? <laughs> and now we're complaining for over three. You know, and you just... exactly. There you go. And so we have seen since the 80s, okay, the last 40 years, we have seen interest rates slowly cascade downward. Now, yeah, there's been periods of time where they've bumped back up a little bit, but they've been basically on a trajectory down, okay? And we've been very, very flat to zero since 2008. So what does this mean? What what happens here? And, you know, it's interesting when I when I talk to investors around the country about their safe investments, meaning their bonds. You know, bonds are primarily known to be safer than stocks, right? But yet some bonds this year are actually negative for the year in performance. How could that be? And you have to understand that there's two sides to the bond street. The first side is what we call interest rate sensitive bonds. The second side or the other side of the bond street is what we call credit sensitive bonds. So so what is the difference and how does it work? We have to step back for a moment and take a look at the economy. What is the economy doing? The economy is either expanding or it's contracting. Now, there's sometimes when the economy expands and contracts faster than we like, right? But the economy is either expanding or contracting. When the economy is expanding, traditionally, interest rates tend to rise. And we've seen that a little bit this year so far. We've seen, not, not from the Fed and certainly not at the bank account, right? But we've seen interest rates in the bond market start to rise up. Now, they go up and down a little bit. 
But when you take a look at the 10-year bond, which was less than 1% around the beginning of this year, and now it's about 1.5% or so, and I'm just rounding right now, interest rates have risen, and that's because the economy is expanding. So how does that work into your bond portfolio? So if you, if you have bonds that are sensitive to interest rates, that means they have what they call duration risk. That means that as interest rates go down, your bond prices go up. On the other hand, as interest rates go, go up, your bond prices go down. Well, for the last 35, 40 years, we've seen interest rates go down, meaning most bond prices have continued to rise. Now we're in a period of time when interest rates are very, very low and starting to rise. We're going to see the Fed raise rates at some point down the road, right? Whether it's three months from now, three years from now, three quarters from now, who knows? We'll see interest rates start to rise back up. And if your bonds have what we call duration risk, then that means as interest rates rise, the principal value of your bonds actually drop. Whereas on the other side of the bond street, there's what we call credit risk bonds. So as interest rates rise, they tend to do better during rising interest rates. So the question that I have for everybody, since I threw all this out there at you, right, and you can't see the graphs that I have here in front of me on the radio, okay, is here's the takeaway question. What type of bonds are in your investments? Take a look at them, and you want to ask about the duration risk. Look up your, your, your mutual funds. Find out what kind of duration risk you have in your bond portfolio because now is the time to really consider maybe making some changes in your fixed income or your bond portfolio simply because the dynamic of interest rates are starting to change in the overall economy. you got to watch it a little bit closer now, is what you're saying. Things are... Yes, you have. Yeah. Well, you got to watch everything close all the time. Right, that's for sure. Well, that's but, why we you know, have a financial plan. This is not a set it and forget it type of a scenario, especially right. with all the things that are on the on the docket these days. So, gotcha. so take a look at it here, you know, and and just remember, you know, find out what is in your in your bonds, what type of risk you have, either credit risk or or duration risk, and talk to your advisor, look it up, call your mutual fund company and ask them. Okay, uh, and then that way you'll 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 know, and you want to really make sure. Better yet, you know, if you like, we'll be happy to to give you an analysis on what type of duration risk you have. Think about this. If, you're, if you have money in a bond mutual fund and you have duration risk of, let's say, four versus someone who has duration risk of nine, what that means is that if interest rates go up by 1% over the next 12 months, somebody who has four on their duration risk, that means you're going to lose 4% of principal, whereas somebody who has nine, you can lose as much as 9% principal if interest rates go up by 1% over the course of the next 12 months. So, so it's important to understand this, and you'd be surprised at how many bonds, because we've had these bonds for 20, 30 years in our portfolio. Those are the types of bond funds we're used to getting. But every once in a while, you need to, to, to change the, the, the duration risk on your bond portfolios, and now's a good time to take a second look at what you're doing with it. So, hey, give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense, and I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof make sure your insurance is aligned properly make sure you have the right types of homeowners auto umbrella disability long-term care life insurance just to name a few financial planning starts with a firm foundation and that foundation is your insurance then take a look at your cash flow are you able to save money save it in the proper places retirement planning traditional iras traditional 401k plans roth iras make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. Let's shoot on up to Pennsylvania and welcome Patty on the line. Good morning, Patty. How are you today? Good. Great. How are you? I'm wonderful. How can I help you? Um, okay. So, just I'll try to be really brief. I'm 54. In 2005, my first husband passed away unexpectedly. We lost everything because we didn't have life insurance and had to foreclose our house, blah, blah, blah. So I'm starting from scratch, and then I find, you know, my uh, my husband now, we've been together since 2012, and um, he actually went through a terrible divorce, and he's starting from scratch. But we did manage to invest, um, you know, into a home in Costa Rica, so we have a home free and clear, uh, around 250000 that we had invested that all paid for in Costa Rica and our house that we live in now is almost paid off but we do not have a you know any savings anywhere as far as 401 all that kind of stuff we were thinking of purchasing another house you know like a one that we have to fix up and then we took for rent out so actually my question is is real estate a wise thing to be you know, what is the best way when you're kind of starting from scratch and and really all you have are these houses? <laughs> um, Patty, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, real estate is a good investment. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, though, it sounds like you have a lot of real estate versus very little cash. I don't want you to end up being house rich and cash poor at some point down the road. If you're thinking about buying another property to fix it up, where are you going to get those funds from? You know, we we, we the, the key point here in retirement planning in this call specifically is we have to understand that at some point when you get down the road, you're going to need income coming in. And that income is going to come from pensions and Social Security or working after retirement. Other than that, it's got to come from direct um, from investments, whether it's real estate that's going to be giving you rental income or whether it's investments from the stock market and bond market that's going to give you interest and dividends and capital gains to live off of. So we have to take a look at if you keep doing what you've been doing, what does your income 
picture look like down the road, not only next year, but five years from now, 15 years from now? We have to design that. We have to talk about that. That's the first thing that I want to take a look at. Then the second thing is, you know, what 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 are the, the rental probabilities? Do we, We'd have to do an analysis on, you know, the, the homes that you currently have. Are they going to give you income uh, versus being able to save money in the market or bonds or the bank or whatever it may be? Because I don't want you to end up being house rich in cash or down the road. Does that sort of make sense there? Right. Um, absolutely. No, it totally makes sense. Let's shoot on over to New Jersey and welcome Gwen on the line. Good morning, Gwen. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. How can I help you? So two questions. I didn't know if there was a um, general formula that you could calculate what you would need roughly when you know for retiring, how much income you would need. And also, how do you figure out uh, Social Security, like what you actually would be earning when you get to that age that you can start collecting? So the, let's take the first one first. Uh, is there a general formula? There's so many different uh, theories and formulas out there, but here's the one for you, 4%. Okay, so just sort of add up, you know, this is the the stopping at the red light, doing some quick math in your head, add up how much money you've saved and understand that if you take about 4% of that out a year and you have a reasonable mixture of risk, maybe 75% stocks, 25% bonds, your money will probably last about 30 years. Okay, so so be thinking about a 4% withdrawal rate now. You know, I don't know where your money is located. I don't know what the tax scenario is. I don't know what the risk scenario is. But at the same time, you've got to also be able to balance that that mixture, too, from time to time and, and get out of the way of recessions and stuff like that. So, uh, But right. but that's that's sort of the back of the envelope math there. And, okay. and the way that you can work your way into that is sort of reverse engineer it, Gwen, basically by saying – you know, what's my income need today? Project out what your income needs going to be when you retire, and then look at your sources okay. to derive that. Very simple to do, and I'll shoot you out our financial planning toolkit, and it'll help you actually design that for yourself. The second question you asked is, how do you find Social Security, what your benefit is? You can just simply go right. to their website, ssa.gov and put in okay. all of your information and register and they'll pull up your statement for you right then and there. So it's ssa.gov and that takes about 30 minutes cuz they ask you a whole lot of questions to make sure it's you, okay? Okay. All right. That's yep. great. Thank you. I absolutely appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense Larry Rosenthal show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE123. Let's welcome Beth on the line from California. Good morning, Beth. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? So, um, I'm a widow also. My husband passed about a year ago. He had an annuity that, um, it makes money, but it was a little over 200000 I took half of that and paid down my home so I could remortgage so I could um, actually handle the payments. And I was wondering if um, going ahead and just taking the rest of that annuity and getting my house even more paid off would be better to do to handle the payments or if I should um, just keep the annuity. It is growing a little bit and then get my monthly um, payment. If I used it, I could probably get my mortgage down to like $30,000. 
Well, Beth, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, definitely. And as you know now, a lot of it is important about income, right? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of having your homes paid for in retirement. That's not a problem. I don't want you to end up having your home paid for but no cash to do anything with. So that's sort of the balance. That's the that's the formula, the equation, the discussing uh, topics that we, re, we you need to figure out right there. If you were to take the balance of the money out of this annuity and pay your home down, now you owe $30,000. You're still going to have that mortgage payment. And remember, even if your home's paid for, you're still going to pay taxes and insurance on that property. So a lot of this comes down to cash flow right now, and and that's what we have to really look at. Uh, Do you have other savings? Uh, What is the sources of your income? Those types of of things that that we need to discuss. Yeah. um, Well, besides Social Security that I can pick up, um, and I'm going to be 62, (laughs) so um, kind of of looking ahead at retirement, but I do have... um, I have two 401ks. I've got one 401 that's um, about maybe um, 450k, and then I have a loss that I started, and it's about 60. So I do have that income plus my um, Social Security. And then how much, uh, then, then the next question, that's good news, then the next question would be, what does it take to live each month if your mortgage is paid for? And then between Social Security and your savings and investments, will you be able to meet that obligation? That's the next part of the equation right there. Yeah, um, I believe I can. If I get the house paid, um, I actually live um, up in the Sierra foothills, so um, my taxes there are a little bit less and cost of living, So, um, which is actually a lot less than living in San Jose. But um, I do have enough money I think that would come in that I'd be able to just live on what I bring in it, and it's have a- be pretty clear. Yeah, it sounds like to me that that's the road you're going down. It's, it sounds like to me that, that, you know, if your expenses align that way, that, that that's probably not a problem. If you want, I'll be happy to send you out our, our, our toolkit, and that'll help you assess this, this, this exact conversation that we're having right now. Um, but, but it doesn't sound like to me that, that um, uh, you're not going to be able to m- meet your standard of living if, if you go ahead and do this move. Just remember, when the money comes out of the annuity, you're going to have to pay taxes on it most likely. So keep that into mind as well, all right? Yeah, yeah, I know I have to because, um, like I said, I <laughs> took out a big chunk. And, um, yeah, I was hit pretty hard, but um, I had to do it just to be able to make payments you know, be able to make the house payments and still be able to pay off other things. So I got a lot of bills paid off and trying to really kind of clean up the finances after he's passed. So, and I'm still working on it. So. Okay. Okay. Well, again, I'm sorry for your loss, and and I'll put you on hold, and and Bob will get some information from you, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, Beth, you have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's shoot on over to Georgia and welcome Dale on the line. Good morning, Dale. How are you? Oh, oh okay. So um, my question is about Social Security and how they calculate. I think you work 10 years, you get so much. Well, actually, that's not true. What is Social 
security, how many years of work is Social Security based off of? 35. Oh, okay. Well, that takes care of that question then. The last 35 years of your income. There you go. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. Yep. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. So, Chris, got a little thing for you here. A, B, C, D. What do you think comes next? Uh, E. There you go. But what happens if E doesn't come next and N comes and then Q and then R and Z and W and O? Yeah, what happens if it's all scrambled up? Uh, I need to get new glasses, I guess. Makes no sense. And people go haywire, right? So what I'm talking about here is taking a look at what we call sequencing of returns. Uh Sequencing of returns. You know, stop and think about this for a second. Let's pretend you're 40 years old and you're investing money and the market goes up one year and down one year and up one year and down one year and back up the next year again, right? Okay. Who cares, right? You're 40 years old and you're just putting money in and you understand that the market goes up and down. But what happens if you were to retire at the end of 2007? Or in the last quarter of 2018 when the market dropped. In other words, the sequencing of your returns when you're looking at taking income out is vitally important. Suppose you retire next year, Chris, January of 2022, and for the next two years the stock market loses 5% each year. And you're withdrawing, let's say, 4% from your investments. So you're down 18% after two years. Two years of withdrawing 4% and two years of the market going down. You think the sequencing of return is important? Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's important? How, how, what rate of return do you have to get the following year to overcome an 18% loss like that? Mm. Pretty big. It's not 18%. You know, here's the simple math. Think about this. If you have $100,000 in an account, okay, and you're down, let's say you take out 10%, right? Or, or the market drops 10%, you've got 90000 Well, what do you have to earn to get back to 100000 again? Most people say 10%, but it's not. Because if you end up with 10%, you only go back to 99000 mm-hmm. you got to earn 11% to get back to 100000 So think about that, right? So how do you avoid this? How do you manage your sequencing of returns? Well, don't you also have to consider inflation as well and all of that? Oh, yeah. Purchasing power is always considered in everything. So are taxes. But I'm just talking about pure market volatility, business risk, okay, market volatility. So so when you're – as you get – so here's the rule that you have to look at. The closer you are in time – to needing your money. Notice I didn't say the closer you are in time to retirement. The closer you are in time to needing your money, now that may be at retirement for some people, but for some people it may not be. Mm-hmm. So the closer you are in time to needing your money, the more conservative your investments need to act or need to be positioned. Yet at the same time, it's a balancing mix because the younger you are to needing your money, the more growth you still need for down the road. So if you take somebody who is, let's say, 90 years old who retires, they might not need money for a long, long time to come, right? 
versus somebody who's 60 years old who retires, they're going to need money for a lot longer, most likely. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So how do you balance this out with sequencing of returns? Again, you need to take a look at the closer you are in time to needing your money, the more conservative these dollars need to be positioned. So as you approach that time in your own personal calendar, right, of, of financial planning, of retirement planning and things like that, as you approach it, you need to start systematically moving your money to positions that don't have a lot of volatility in them that are designed for income distribution so that you can kick out income in what we call a quiet pool of money. And then the rest of the money in the account is going to sit back and grow for future years down the road so that it does outpace or gives an opportunity to outpace, I should say, both taxes and inflation for yourself down the road. So the sequencing of returns is very, very important. You know, when once you introduce a withdrawal into an investment account, the rules of money change, and they change dramatically because of your sequencing of returns, you know. And there are some times when you change different accounts that you pull money out of or different investment vehicles. It just depends on what's happening in the market, how much money you need, taxes, inflation, all that kind of stuff, and what the markets are doing based off of your time frame. Remember, your time frame flips forward every year at your birthday, right, Chris? But the stock market doesn't pay any attention to that, neither does the economy. <laughs> no. So it's important to really take a good look, and that's why you have to build a financial plan. That's why you really have to take a look at a financial plan, run what's called a Monte Carlo simulation on it, a stress test that's on there, um, sequencing of return tests, all types of things. In other words, if you just say, hey, all I need to earn is, let's say, 7% for the rest of my life, I'm okay, guess what? It's not going to happen every year, year in and year out, right? So so what? How do you stress it? You know, a lot of financial planning software will, will allow you to say, okay, this year you're going to get that return. Next year you get the other return. And you build it in, and you, and you stress out the plan to see exactly where you're at with it all. So you can go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. And on the front page right there, there is a uh, video. It's about 90 seconds long that demonstrates how uh, I, I would call it a properly structured financial plan would really work. Uh, check it out. And, uh, you know, go from there. So, hey, give us a ring. I see we got to take a quick break here, Chris. Let's keep these phone lines open. Give us a ring today with any of your financial planning or investment questions on estate planning, taxes, your 401K, the government TSP, uh, the stock market, um, uh, inflation, whatever's on your mind today. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth 
is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea. Call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. is a telephone number to call to talk to Larry here in studio with us today. Larry? Chris, you know, I read, a, I read a lot of things, and I was just coming, I came across an article not too long ago talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about how much money you need at retirement. Okay. You know, I'm like, oh, this ought to be interesting, and I'm looking at it, I'm reading through it. It's a very short thing, and very short article, and I'm, I'm sitting here dawning on me, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. What, what are you talking about? And, and I realized, and I started going through, looking at this going, wow, they left out a couple of items. <laughs> One or two. They huh? left out a couple of more. And I started writing down some things, and I'm going, you know, wait a minute here. What's happening? And so the article talked about, you know, you need X amount of dollars in retirement to live off of, and so you should save this amount and all that kind of stuff. But it left out, what happens if you have a pension? It left out including Social Security income. Oh, wow. It left out (laughs) understanding that there's different levels of risk in different types of investments. It left out inflation over a longer period of time. It left out tax efficiencies for your investment portfolio. I mean, it left out a handful of things. And I'm sitting here looking at this going, wow, you know. Somebody might actually believe that's what it was. That's not good. Yeah. I mean, when you stop and you think about this, uh, uh, you know, the – It's a perfect sort of tie into what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is, uh, you know, how are you working from a financial plan if you're not? You know, I mean, you you really got to break this stuff down and and think about it. So there's a lot involved with it and, and, you know, sort of bending bending the conversation toward a financial plan. You know, I was recently uh, working with with somebody and and telling them, you know, the, the, the real product, the real product is not the the stock or the ETF or the mutual fund or whatever. It's it's you and the planner. It's me and you, client and advisor, sitting down, talking about your goals, your objectives, your risk tolerance, your time frame, your tax needs, your estate planning, just the whole nine yards. That's what the real product is. It's the relationship between the investor and the advisor. The advisor understands their main goal is really to understand what your needs are and then put it into a financial plan, and that's what you compete against, not the stock market, but that's what you compete against is the financial plan. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Lots of good things on the program today. Appreciate those phone calls. Keep them coming in. Larry likes the phone calls, don't you, Larry? I do like the phone calls, <laughs> Chris. Awesome. You know, we get a lot of phone calls during the week. Yeah. Um, you know, from from leftover from the show, people will call and say, hey, I heard you talking about this or I or I went to your website, LarryRosenthal.com and clicked on the old radio shows and heard some stuff. Yep. And uh, we send out 
tons of information all the time to people. So feel free to do that. More than happy to get this information out to you. You got a webinar or something coming up here at some point here in the future. Uh, We will have a webinar. We haven't announced it yet. It's going to come up here in November. Um, But uh, yeah, we're going to be having one on the markets. I'm kind of waiting to see a couple little more things happen in the market. And then we're going to do one on kind of like uh, where we are now and where where we could be going. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. You know, one of the things that, that I also wanted to talk about today, Chris, is some financial blind spots. And, and we've talked about this in past shows, and periodically I like to bring it up. This will just take a minute or two. But some financial blind spots, you know, make sure that you have all your beneficiary forms filled out correctly. Your first level of beneficiary, your prior benef- your primary beneficiary form, your contingent beneficiary, uh, even your third generation beneficiary. Uh, make sure that you've got the proper homeowners and auto insurance. There's a difference between having insurance and being insured. Stop and think about that for a moment. A difference between having insurance or being insured. And make sure you have the right type of life insurance and long-term care insurance in place, too. Do an analysis. Figure it out if you need any of these types of coverages. You know, these are blind spots, unfortunately, that are inside people's people's investment house, if you will. And, and you know, it's good to always have an update or review once a year, every 18 months on subjects such as that, you should be viewing your, your investment accounts more regularly than that, though. Uh, so, you know, take a look at your financial blind spots. If you want some information on how to check out your financial blind spots, what a comprehensive scenario would look like, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Go to my website, and you can email us off and say, hey, you want some information on the comprehensive blind spot portfolio protection plan? Uh, and I'm, I'm just making up the name, Chris. We, we got a, a whole bunch of information we can send out on all the types of insurances that people should have there. So let's welcome Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call here. Hey, a uh, 49-year-old man, a wife, and a 4-year-old, and I want to know, should I buy into an annuity about $20,000 and then start uh, collecting on that annuity in about 10 to 15 years? Second question, should I buy silver and gold coins to be diversified? So good questions, Robert, and, and, and here's the – let me let me give you kind of an, a quick answer to a, to a long question, really. Um, an annuity is an investment vehicle, and the primary investment objective of an annuity is to deliver guaranteed income and take market and economic risk out of the equation for you in most cases. So if you're going to invest in an annuity and you have no other investments, then I'd say be careful. An annuity has pros and cons to it. A stock has pros and cons, and a mutual fund has pros and cons, and all the other investments have pros and cons to them. Before I would tell you, yes, put money into an annuity, I'd want to see what your pension looks like if you have one. I want to take a look at your estimated Social Security down the road, any other savings and investments that you may have. Okay, because an annuity is going to lock that money up for a long, long time to come down the road. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I have about two hundred thousand dollars in my Roth IRA. I have about forty thousand cash, and then my Social Security. I will get probably about twenty one hundred dollars a month if I retire at sixty five. Okay, so have you taken a look at how um, uh, how much your expenses are going to be, and are you working from a financial plan to see if, how much you need to continue to save? You've got college coming up and things like that. And again, it, it, you know, th- think think about the annuity from this concept, Robert, okay? Let's suppose that your monthly expenses, just to do math easy here, are, are, are 7000 a month, okay? 
and your Social Security is going to be 2100 a month. So that I can do math easy here on the air, let's just say it's two grand a month. So now you need a gap of 5000 How much is your Roth IRA and other savings going to grow to to produce that $5,000 a month that you need? Now you can maybe say, you know what, if I take X amount of money and put it into an annuity, that's going to pay me you know, $1,500 a month. So now you've got 3500 coming in of the 7000 that you need. Is the rest of your investments going to sit there and produce for you the other $3,500? That's the way I want you to think about the annuity. There's nothing wrong with taking the annuity at, at, at all. My point is that make sure that all of your dollars aren't tied up into the annuity and – if you decide that you want to take an annuity, then here's the thing that I want you to do. Get educated on the different types of annuities that are out there. I actually have a packet I can send you on the different types of annuities. There's basically fixed annuities, indexed annuities, and variable annuities. And they all function differently. And they all also have, um, some of them have the ability to give you guaranteed minimum income performance riders on them. And I would suggest getting one that has that on there if you're going to purchase an annuity at all. Okay? Okay. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. If you want, I'll put you on hold and we'll send you out that information on the different annuity types. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. You know, I want to take Robert's question a little bit further here and and talk about, again, product diversification. The, the different types of investment vehicles that are out there, again, all have pros and cons to them. If, if you take a look at a mutual fund, you know, one of the disadvantages of a mutual fund is is um, the 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 performance drag? You've got a mutual fund that has maybe seven, eight hundred different stocks inside of it. Not all of them are responsible for this year's rate of return. Whereas you might you you might look at it and go, well, if I got an ETF that had maybe. 200 stocks inside of it or 50 stocks inside of it, maybe I can get a little bit better return. Possibly, right? Take a look at the tax inefficiency of a mutual fund versus the tax efficiency of an ETF. But then again, on the flip side of that, take a look at the active management of a mutual fund versus non-active management in an ETF. Look at the much greater diversification in a mutual fund versus less diversification inside of an ETF. This all goes back to Robert's question here earlier, which is, should I take an annuity? Should I put money into an annuity? And and the answer is, yeah, well, maybe you should, but it depends on what your investment objective is. One of the problems with annuities, Chris, is this, is that people often understand that there's, there's higher fees inside of annuities, but yet at the same time, they try to compare that with a lower fee investment, and the lower fee investment is usually going to outperform. But at the same time, the annuity is going to give you guaranteed growth on future income in most cases that other investments can't do. So you're comparing apples to oranges when it when it comes down to those types of different products there. So it's important to understand what your objectives are in an investment as well as what that investment's really going to perform for you. Like, good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How can I help you, sir? Well, I'm 64 years old and I'm retired and basically living off the income of my retirement. And it's split about 50% bonds, 50% mutual funds with the financial group I'm with right now. And I've been looking at doing something better either to get my dividend payments up or to, you know, grow the portfolio over a long, over a period of time also. 
and Fisher Investment came up with a track where they kind of recommend you go all stocks historically, pays better, long-term growth, better dividends. And I'm just wondering what your thought is on that. Depends on the risk level that you end up with, Jeff. I mean, you can have, if, if you're telling me that you want to have uh, more dividend income, um, but yet you're in a profile right now of 50-50, 50% equities to 50% fixed income or bonds, and now you're looking at another investment that's going to put you in all stock, that completely changes your risk profile. So let's just do some simple math here. Let's just suppose we're, you know, we're, we're, let's just do an example of, of $100,000 or a million-dollar portfolio, whatever, $10 million, whatever it is, just use the same percentages here in your mind. Let's suppose you put 10% of your money into four or five publicly traded REIT stocks, but that, but that 10% of your portfolio is going to be bouncing up and down. Okay, you, you you could get the stock at, at at ten dollars a share, and then all of a sudden it could be down to to nine fifty a share inside three or four months. But if you're saying, well, that doesn't matter to me on paper because I'm using that sleeve of my investments as an income producing piece then you're okay with that. But once you start getting into, well, I don't know if I want so much risk, do, do you follow what I mean? Yeah, I do, but, you know, you're really not at risk if you don't have to sell any of this REITs or stocks or anything. If you can just ride out long term, you would still be better off, wouldn't you? I would agree with you there. The problem is is the emotional hit on some of those income-producing things when they are way down. That's the problem. So that's why you have to be very non-emotional and disciplined about it when you take a look at putting that type of a sleeve into your portfolio. And then you can buy some stocks that, that also produce for you you know, a 4 or 5% dividend rate, which gives you less principal volatility. So you can end up with a blended income-producing portfolio that's a little bit higher and and still manage the the principal fluctuation, um, e, you know, each and every month and, and things like that. But the bigger question goes back to, you're 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 64 and retired, and you're in a 50/50 portfolio, and now you're looking to move all to stocks. I would question the amount of risk that you're looking to take on there. Okay, so so just take a look at the overall risk that you're looking at. Um, you know, with, with, with it all. You need some active management on it all, but before you just go buy a whole bunch of different stocks, make sure you understand what the risk is. Ask them, what's the beta on this portfolio? What's my standard deviation on this portfolio? What's my turnover rate on this portfolio? Uh, when, when, when you take a look at it, and what are your buy and sell decision processes on this portfolio? And then how quick can I move from, uh, you know, an 80-20 to back to a 50-50? That's what I would take a look at. Okay. okay. Well, the other thing I was trying to get—it seems like I'm paying, I'm paying a lot of sales fees and commissions to brokers and stuff. But you know, if I was getting five percent return on my money in dividends, I would be happy with that. But it doesn't seem to be a very realistic number—more like two and a half or three percent. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome, Jeff. If you want some info, I'll be happy to put you online and put you on hold, and we'll, we'll send you out some info on the different dividends and things of that nature. All right, Larry, well, look, the clock is telling us that it's time for us to wrap up once again. Good to see you. Chris, it always goes fast when I'm working with you, so <laughs> have a great weekend. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. 
We asked and you responded just a few weeks ago. One of America's leading nonprofit law firms, First Liberty Institute, dear friends. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.